Hello, and welcome back to the Evolution Podcast. I am joined today by my soul sister, Edie Levin, and we're going to dive into her experience in evolution. And Edie's an artist. She's a teacher, and she's been on her healing journey for a while. And we met when she was doing a series of paintings on the chakras with lotus flowers and We've traveled together and yeah, and, and I just adore her. So Edie, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Alicia. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So where do you want to start? Like, what would you like to share with us about your own healing journey and what drew you into nervous system work from all the other work that you're doing and... Yeah. Well, I I don't know if you can hear some thawing going on in the background. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to check in on that. Thank yeah. you. Okay. <laughs> there. Um, I I started um an official healing journey around I think it was 2018. Mm. Um, or and that is when I started those chakra lotus paintings. I started learning about the chakras um, before then, but I really was committed to a healing journey at that point. I remember waking up on my birthday that year and just being like, okay, I'm a yes to healing mm-hmm. what what is in my system yeah. to, because I, I had been kind of like moving away from my birthplace and I had, um, I guess looking back on it, been in a big flea pattern overall, um, flea and freeze pattern. Now that I have the knowledge of what I've learned with you over the last years, but I didn't know at the time that that's what was going on. Um, so that's where it started. Um, I was leaning into learning about the chakras. I met you um, in a Facebook group that yeah. you had started. And that was a really beautiful organic way uh, to find my way. And I've been thinking about how wonderful it is that I don't, I didn't think I knew what was guiding me. Um, And it is actually been the divine part of me available to me all along. And that's what I've been uncovering and learning and um, seeing as, as I've been working. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. that's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. Did you know that where Venus is right now or where she's just coming through and her retrograde phase relates us back to where we were in 2015, especially like the end of the summer, um, oh, in wow. that year. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That so it's amazing. like, it's like a, a cleanup phase and also like the next round is beginning. <laughs> I've been talking to a lot of people that are like in big initiations right now um, and kind of noticing like what started in 2015 and what we were able to say yes to and the healing that we've been able to do. And now it's like, you know, that divine feminine aspect showing up and going like, okay, well, now that you did that, good job. Here we go. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I am feeling that big time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it's so beautiful when we, again, I think recognize like there's an aspect of our journey that's so personal and so specific to us. And then also like, there's this collective journey that we're on where it's like, yeah, where were you in 2015? Like, yeah, I was waking up and deciding I was officially, I love like officially starting my healing journey. Like now that we haven't been on it in all these other ways, but it's like, now I'm really consciously saying yes to it. Yeah. Um, I was also reading Carolyn Mace um, at that time. Yeah. That's the year I did my trainings with her. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's it's so amazing the way it all weaves. All weaves. Yeah. It truly is. Mm. Um, I wish you could feel the ground right now. It's shaking from a wood chepper that is currently running and doing bits of trees all over (laughs) my front yard uh something metaphorically important about that right (laughs) i i feel like that's just how i roll uh things just happen in the 3d that can't be mistaken for (laughs) anything else Yeah. yeah So good. Yeah. And as an artist, like you're so trained to speak in symbols, like what is it like to have done this work now to dive that even deeper into understanding the symbols of the subconscious? And I mean, obviously you work in symbology. I'm I'm looking at your painting behind you, right? Which is this shark that you've been working on. I thought it, I, I've known about it for like five years, right? Like, but you said it was really, how long has it been that this painting has been in, in morphing? More, oh, wow. It, it's it been at least 15 years. Mm. Um, I I lose track of time Yeah, a lot, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it's been at least 15 years in the making. And um, I, sometimes I just sit with it for years and years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing to think about that, you know, those paintings or our artwork sort of holding these metaphors, these symbols of our subconscious, and especially working with a painting so long with the symbols that come on or that you take off or cover over. And all of that is kind of, you know, a larger meta metaphor for the, the journey that we go on with ourselves. It's like, we're this palimpsest. How do you say that word? Palimpsest you know, like the, the, it's like the tablets that they used to write on that, that like the papyrus, but it was like, you didn't have paper. Like we're, we're so careless with paper these days. Right. But it's like, you have this tablet and it would, you could erase, but it would like still have the imprint there. Right. And I, I just think of that as like such a metaphor for like how our system is too. It's like, sometimes we can, sometimes we don't go all the way through the journey of like removing that symbol or that code and that imprint is still kind of guiding us. I mean, that's something that you've experienced. As oh, well. that, I love that. That is how I work. Someone asked me um, a couple of days ago, like what kind of artist I was. And <laughs> I said, well, I was, I was trained as a painter, but really I'm just kind of like an everything artist. I just get into whatever um, media, but then she was asking me about painting and um, she was a historian and she paints and we were discussing, I said, I think 
I am, I was trained in oil painting and she was like, oh, it takes so long to dry. And I said, yeah, but, and also it's toxic. So I changed over to acrylics, but I think I'm more of a watercolor is the way that I think <laughs> my cat wants to come into this conversation. And um, I think like a watercolorist, which is layers of transparencies. Mm. And it relates to what you're saying about the encoding underneath mm -hmm. and like things coming through yeah. and maybe things getting painted over or changed. I mean, that stuff is forgiving in other medias, but watercolor is a little more, um, once you, once you paint it, it's there. It's there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's um, to think about those different ways. Cause I think too, in our own system, like different experiences would have a different texture, almost like the different paints. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love this. <laughs> There's so much going on outside. It's so ridiculous. Um, I'm sorry to no that during the podcast, but it's hard. We're doing this in real life. There is no this is yeah. stage version of this. There's no stage version. Uh, um, can you help me figure out where we're going in this conversation? We are talking about the metaphor of watercolor and painting and writing well, I think it might be a good time metaphor. to talk about surrender because I'm sure surrender comes into your <laughs> painting here when you paint something that's like you can't it's, as you said it might be unforgiving or it's, it doesn't feel like it's going away or you know yeah. things and I know you have a special relationship to the book the surrender experiment and feel like it has yeah yeah, something to do with your journey um, with nervous system work. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, well, um, I I feel like as far as surrendering, I, I my relationship with surrender has changed somewhat through knowing the nervous system. Mm. Um, I, I feel like my my definition of surrender shifted somewhat from this kind of perception of you get what you get and you don't get upset, um, which is a saying that teachers often say to young children when they're passing out supplies, I've heard it. And a, and a kid doesn't want the, you know, the blue scissors, they want the purple scissors. Right. But as teachers, we, we, um, sometimes are a little rough with those little ones yeah. and we develop things that maybe take away their, their, their choices. So surrender to me used to have that kind of like pulling rank, like the universe pulls rank and you get what you get and you don't get upset. Yeah. And now, I mean, I, I don't say that phrase anymore. Um, after <laughs> been working with you for a couple of years that phrase like phased out of my teaching uh -huh. and when I hear kids say it to each other I, I say you know what like you get what you get and if you get upset you get that too 
like, <laughs> like um, and so it kind of changed to that. And I feel like um, now I'm entering into a phase where I can put down the resentment or whatever it is that I've been caring about you get what you get mm. and really sink into the teaching of the experience of it. And um, it's, it's kind of like this gradual, you mentioned a lot of crossfading uh, as you go. And I feel like my definition of surrender has been crossfading into this more um being able to be with experience and seeing myself as um like seeing my nervous system more as something the maybe the baseline of it is wh where i am is more interesting mm. and i can have more curiosity about that and it's it's less like why am I like this? Why can't I be like this other way? Like, how can I make myself be this different person yeah. or make others respond to me differently? Yeah. And so surrender is more like, wow, I get this yeah. to be here. Mm. And it's more of a discovery about what I'm learning and discovering what curiosity might really mean. Yeah. So what I hear yeah. you saying is that like surrender used to be focused on kind of accepting or kind of coming into resolve energy with like whatever was in the external. And now mm -hmm. it's very much more about a relationship with yourself of surrendering to being with yourself or opening to what you are curious about or what you are exploring or even just how you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just want to say you're a parasympathetic system who never, at least in your expression of, of, of self, didn't ever kind of buy into that you were like more of a sympathetic, but I know that like carrying that weight of like not being able to produce as much or go as fast or all of some of those other things that parasympathetic systems get shamed for or ridiculed for, or even internalize that shame around like what we're, what you're supposed to be able to do or, or create. So what was it like? or how has the surrender been aided by like learning more about how a radiant system wants to operate and what wildness has that allowed you to bring more forward in your life? Mm, I love that question. Um, I was thinking about, uh, I know there were some other people who referenced this in a call with you recently about um, sort of this, uh, colonization aspect mm -hmm. of of our systems and our earth and this morning I was thinking about um, 
just my experience in this lifetime and how, you know, the hierarchical, I don't know if I just said that right, but the hierarchy of systems um, sort of had this effect on me. Um, if I, I recently read um, a book called Energetic Boundaries where the description of um, the spiritual boundary that was probably the first place where I experienced um, like an overtaking mm -hmm. or or an invasion, so to speak, mm -hmm. because I was raised um, you know, in in South Carolina and um and the culture there is very much dominated by um, religious Christianity and um, like just knowing that I'm a, a girl and I or I have no place to be other than um, subservient is maybe a word that could describe it but it's also um this place like you can't see yourself as divine that's just not there's no room and just to have that be you know for generations and generations and generations be the undercurrent of a female um, a person who is born into a female body into their system yeah. like there's no room for you and you don't belong um uh, it just really, it was significant to me to to understand that um, that is what information comes forward in my system, first and foremost. Right, that subtext that's living there. Yeah. Um, I've forgotten what you asked me, but... <laughs> No, you're just talking I mean, it's exactly what you're, you're talking about this, how, what was, what's happened for you in learning that you're a parasympathetic system and, and how it's changed your relationship to yourself. And, and yeah. Yeah. So I used to believe that about myself, like really feel that all the time mm. as a, as a core belief yeah. in my system. Yeah. And I think that um, waking up, to being able to um, rewire or rewrite that part of me and to have that as a, something I can do, that I have the ability to do, yeah. but also not throw away. It's like we're getting back to that painting idea of things underneath. And it's it's not like I don't still feel it. It's just... I know what it, what it is. Mm. Um, yeah. It doesn't have I the same strength, right? Once you, once you realize no. that, like that imprint starts to begin to fade out or, you no. know, it's like, oh, right. That, that just comes forward. Sometimes that conditioned part just comes forward. Sometimes that part of me that thinks I don't yeah. belong is still a little there. Um, but it's really beautiful to see how you, the more that you've recognized that, 
but then also applied your rewiring work to it, how it's not about denying where you came from or, or, you know, pretending like some of that um, activation can't live within you because it is part of your experience, but that you now sit in a different, you sit in the driver's seat in a different way, you know, in terms of like, but also it's okay to be who I am. Um, and going slow isn't about me being a woman or not belonging. It's about me taking the space that I need to be a creator and to go at my pace and my, you know, like my journey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and no one can really mess with that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Once you find it, it's like, nobody gets to take that again. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So beautiful. So I know that we've talked over the year about ways that you brought this work into your classroom. Um, So -hmm. just tell us a little bit about like, what's, so you are, I mean, first of all, a rock star for teaching. How many, how many grades do you teach and how many kids are in your classroom? (laughs) Well, I, I teach art and um a, an independent school private school and they are kindergarten through 12th grade but I do kindergarten through fifth grade it used to be sixth grade but they built a new middle school and most graders now are in middle school so I I have K through five and um there are two art teachers there so it's not just me but I'll tell you, um, they send them to us uh, 26 little ones at a time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we, they're, they're lining up for our class out in the hallway while we're, tr- like, trying to clean up the class that is there yeah. or that is leaving. And so it, I mean, I feel like we would maybe be better if there were maybe four adults in the room at least (laughs) (laughs) seems like a much more sane ratio to me (laughs) yeah so um and then they used to be the enrollment was capped at um well each grade used to be 44 kids so we'd get them in a grade would be a class of 22 and a second class of that grade would be another 22. But um, after the uh, pandemic time, we upped the enrollment to 26 and 26. So 52 per grade. And that is just a big difference. I mean, I know I say 22 to 26, it doesn't seem like it would be that big of a difference, but it really is. So I still, um, I'm teaching 300 kids, um, you know, Monday through Friday. That's a lot of co-regulation tax on your system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I started, um, when I first met you, started to just incorporate a little bit of, um, guided visual meditations and mm-hmm. at the beginning of class we try and um help kids transition into the room yeah. and 
uh, this past year, well, even online when we were teaching um, on Zoom from home, I would uh, do some YouTube visual first five five minutes, maybe two minutes watching some sort of visual and breathing mm-hmm. um, just to keep it going. When we got back in the classroom, I really wasn't working. So I tried movement and breathing and meeting in a circle on the floor and all just throwing all sorts of things at it because I wasn't trained in, in that, but I loved it for myself. Yeah. Um, and this year, now I feel like it's more, this is probably the fourth year I've been starting with that. I feel stronger in my understanding of more of the science of it and what different systems may need and mm-hmm. how to, how to, um, you know, bring it to different age groups um, and really establish a culture where we know the cycle of, you know, um, coming into transitioning into the room and finding our breathing or finding our sensation and uh, navigating that toward a safe place inside of ourselves so that we can invite creativity and that's the way I explain it Mm. to my kids right um it's like we don't we you know we we're all all creative and we all have these gifts and we can all explore with art materials um and we need to know that we're safe to do so so let's figure out what how we can feel that way and mm. um we we do that work together now it sounds really good I'm still working it out <laughs> with 26 kids especially when first grade comes to me at 2 15 in the afternoon and school's over <laughs> at 2 50 and yeah. they're done so um that's just different like, yeah yeah and so different what- all day different all day. Right. And, and they, there's, there's so many different versions of themselves, even within, you know, a 45 minute hour class. What's your favorite self-regulation tool that you use to support yourself throughout the day of that many systems in and out of your room? I think putting a hand on my heart Mm -hmm. is my, is my Mm go-to. Um, I taught them, I taught them some box breathing and some four, seven, eight breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, the square breathing is really great. I love, there's a little square breathing video that I do with them that has this fish that goes up, across, <laughs> down. Back. And um, there's, it, I, I love doing something with them that everyone sort of gets has a different um, response to, but everyone engages them. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it kind of changes, but I feel like for me to reset, and now that I've learned more about discharging, I feel like that's really going to be helpful for me this year. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas before, I don't think that I'm as much, uh, not that it wouldn't have been helpful, but, I've been thinking about how parasympathetic and 
freeze and there's so much in me uh, to freeze or to stop breathing or right. to freeze. Uh, I let, I I just play possum, so mm. to re to reset from a from a place of movement would be really yeah probably pretty good for me yeah. But I love the use of the somatic cueing too of like touching your body to be like it's okay to be here we're safe. That reminder, yeah. like for me too, that touch of my heart, my hand to my heart also reminds me to take a breath. You know, it's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I love, I love using that as well. And I, that's really beautiful. And I think, yeah, for teachers having some kind of touch point <laughs> for that, like it's moving so fast, you know, there's so many systems that it really is, you know, it's sort of a, a, a regulation marathon all day long. And it's, I think, and, and I would say the same for moms. Like if you, you know, that, that feeling of like, can I, I can't get off the treadmill. Like I just, like, how would I possibly regulate this? And I think just recognizing those places of like, just even three breaths, one breath, one touch, blinking your eyes is like, sometimes that's as much pause on the treadmill as you're going to get. And like, just drinking that in and just blessing yourself in those spaces where it's like, yep. And now we're running because I, there are little people that I have to <laughs> run after or they yeah. will jump off the cliff or whatever they're going to do right now. So it's real. It's real. And it is, it's a regulation. Yeah. You know, I just think, you know, we have that list of like the four main events in life that create stress and it's like divorce and death and job change, you know, and I just want to be like, where's the list that like the major things that are going to keep you dysregulated, motherhood, <laughs> teaching, <laughs> caregiving, you know, all of these things that it's like, we, we, we go into it because we have a heart for helping people and we have a heart for loving. And, you know, we don't have spaces that talk about, this is the tax on your system. This is what this is going to do to your nervous system. So please let's make sure you get all the tools you need to keep nourishing yourself because otherwise we all end up in burnout, which is what's happened. Right. And, and, and the, the load that the yeah. that mothers are carrying, the load that teachers are carrying, the load that nurses are carrying and, you know, other healthcare care professionals, it's just, it's on, it's really unmanageable and it's really unfair societally that we have tools, but we don't want to, I don't know what we don't want to do, but we're not getting them to people in a way that are allowing the regeneration and the sustainability and the support and the nourishment that we need. So I'm so excited that you are bringing it into your classroom, even in the ways that you are now. And I know you're thinking about new initiatives and talking to other people and, you know, education and, and healing spaces about what could happen. So yeah, is there anything else you want to share with us on the podcast about your journey, your healing, your art, your love for the world? (laughs) I I just love the the place. Um, I was thinking about it today. Like I've always thought about like anchoring into my heart. Um, I loved when uh, you or from other sisters and groups with you introduced me to Megan Watterson's work because I I her icon of anchoring into the heart and then. It's just been a theme of mine um, 
heart-centered, heart-centered work. It just keeps coming up over and over for me. And I've, I heard another sister um, in, in our group share something that she was thinking. And I think it was uh, our sister share, um, where is my love not yet reached? I keep mm. hearing that question. Yeah. Um, and I think that neurowise and heart centered are are so related. Yeah. And yeah. and now I'm like, as I enter uh this lovely stage of menopause, I'm like, oh my gut. <laughs> my, my gut is very, very needing me to listen to it. <laughs> yes, all of us waking up to gut. <laughs> Hello, dorsal. <laughs> so I feel like um, it just keeps coming back into these centers, you know, these centers of wisdom yeah. that are informing us as spirit and soul. And wow, I I love it. Um, so I I don't know if that's what I wanted to share with you in that moment, but I think so. That there's oh. something brewing. Hearts, guts. I love it. I love it. I, and I absolutely agree that, you know, for me, when we look at, so what's the definition of healing, right? It's the removal of blocks to knowing ourselves as love, right? What are we doing with our nervous mm-hmm. system work? We're removing the blocks. We're unloading the nervous system. We're completing these stress responses that do what? keep us from being able to know love it's and it is that experience of like if i'm stuck in survival i can't actually be in the embodiment of love right and so for me it's like i am total woo i am total you know in the metaphysics of it i'm totally the priestess but i understand the practicality aspect of like if i am not biophysically in the space to be safe then love is a lofty com- conversation that I can't actually experience, right? So I think you're right. Yeah. Like there is a correlation that's so important between our neurowise self and our heart-centered self. And what a world it would be if those two places were the focus of where we trained, where we developed wisdom, where we related to each other, right? Like just imagine that. Yeah. So good. Absolutely. I, I just want to tell you that, yeah, I started a slideshow to present to my faculty about, about that. Um, and I'm, I just called it art plus SEL because those are all things that people know about. And I, I, the slideshow just says how we build heart centered communities by inhabiting ourselves. And like, I was just going to go. I was just going to go riff on that for a little while after we spoke. And the way you just said that too, like, that's what this is for me. It's my why. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for carrying it into the world and to our children um, and to our fellow teachers. Um, So good. And thank you so much for sharing here and in all the ways that you do share. And I love you so much. And I'm so grateful for you and for the model of healing that you bring into the world. Thank you, Anisha. Mm. Thank you.
<laughs> mm. All right. Thank you for joining us. And yeah, we'll be back with another episode soon. Thank you.